and welcome to another edition of Talking Ball with the Czar. I'm Emory Hunt, the Czar of the Playbook. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Be sure to subscribe to our Football Game Plan Network, which is located at youtube.com slash football game plan. And to check out more football game plan use Talking Ball with the Czar segments, both interview and in, in, uh, live or also on the podcast like you hear here, you can find it on our website at footballgameplan.com slash FBGPU. And today we're joined by Carlo Iannuzzi, the head football coach and offensive coordinator of the Calgary Rage. Coach, appreciate you taking time. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, we have to attack the big elephant in the room. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're out there in Canada, you're out there in Calgary, but you're also the coach of the Calgary Rage, which is the women's football tackle football squad of the WWCFL. Can you tell the folks that may not be familiar with the Calgary Rage and the WWCFL what that football program is about and what that league is about as well? Sure. Uh, So like you mentioned, I am the head coach of the Calgary Rage women's football team, and we're part of the uh, Western Women's Canadian Football League. Uh, We have eight teams in our division, ranging from uh, Alberta all the way to Saskatchewan, and we actually even have another fo- tackle football league out in the Maritimes for the MWFL, and that's the Maritimes Women's Football League. And these are 12-on-12, full equipment, uh, full competitive tackle football games. And <clears throat> excuse me. And there's some amazing football games to be a part of, let me tell you that. Uh, listen, I know for a fact that they are because, you know, this is how we got in contact with each other. I was the color commentator for the IWFL championship game uh, this past July out in Salt Lake City. And, you know, I, I know how great this game is as far as athleticism is concerned. The women are competitive. Uh, a lot of former college basketball, softball, volleyball, all across. Uh, women just want to jump into the game uh, themselves. There's a lot of good talent around the board. And to see the Calgary Rage and that league, both leagues up there, uh, get up to speed pretty quickly. I think it's very impressive to see. And and I wanted to ask you, when you look at the growth of women's tackle football, from when you got into it, where have you seen it grow to? It's been growing at such a rapid pace, it's even hard for me to keep up. Uh, and it all comes with exposure and just letting women know that they are, are allowed to play football and it's okay for them to play football. It's unfortunate that about a decade ago, you know, it was not really common for uh, females to be a part of the uh, football. You know, it wasn't really getting the recognition like basketball and volleyball and soccer that those can be sport by played by uh, males and females. And, uh, you know, it's kind of been my mission as well, as well as every other coach in this league to kind of break that gender barrier to say, you know, women that are playing uh, varsity sports, like you mentioned, in basketball and soccer and all that stuff, they have skills that translate to the football game as well. And all they need is an opportunity, an opportunity to come onto the football field and show their skills. And it's something I'm so happy and proud to be a part of. And you got into it as the, you know, the head coach and offensive coordinator. How did you get started uh, into coaching? What's your what's your background? Have Do you have a playing background? Did you kind of decide, OK, I want to stay within the game and um, this was an opportunity that popped up. How did you get involved in the coaching? Uh, so I've actually come from a, a football-loving family. Um, it all started with my dad. He uh, started out by playing football in the city of Calgary and giving back to coaching in the community. And it uh, went through to my two brothers and I, and we all played football growing up. And uh, when I played football in Calgary, I was able to be a part of two championship programs in the Calgary Cowboys and the St. Francis Browns. And something that I really learned from those programs was structure. 
and I was able to uh, take my post-secondary education. I was going out to University of New Brunswick, and I was able to walk on to the Seawolves as a running back. And in that season, I was able to meet one of my great friends, Danny Oliver, and he was the gentleman that introduced me to women's football because I was discussing with him uh, what I was doing for the summertime, and I was hanging around doing some summer classes, and he told me about this football league that his girlfriend was a part of, and he wanted me to come into the coaching. So I was happy to come aboard, and it was a second. I, the second I stepped into there, it was smiling from day one. You know, it's exactly what I wanted to be a part of. You know, that I wasn't looking at it as a women's football team. I was looking at them as a football team, and you know, I was happy to be a part of the St. John Storm. And they decided to take me upon their offensive coordinator role, and we went on a historic run that year, uh, and we went undefeated and won the national title that year for the Maritimes. And they've been actually on a dominant run over there in the MWFL. They're actually on their drive for five right now. They're going for their fifth consecutive division title. And their program is just built on women being obsessed with football and wanting to play out there. And as soon as I was uh, introduced to women's football, when I graduated, I came back to Calgary. And I got involved with the Calgary Rage and been involved there ever since. I know I liked you, man. You're a former running back in college, just like myself. And now you're you're on you, you took on the, the the play calling duties. I always want to because normally when you talk to offensive coordinators, they either used to be a quarterback or now you start to see okay, some receivers are being offensive coordinators, but rarely do you find a running back that get into the 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 business of structuring an offense and calling plays. Uh, what perspective do you do you have that's unique uh, coming from the backfield that allows you to, to be a good offensive coordinator? Uh, running the ball mo wins the games. Moving the chains <laughs> wins the games. Uh, you know, I always tell the team it's not about scoring points. Uh, you know, it's about moving the chains first because points will come later. And it's all about getting in that rhythm, and that's where it starts with the run game. Uh, I wasn't actually always a running back. I, I've actually been a jack-of-all-trades. I've moved around on the offense and played quarterback and also moved into receiver. But when I moved to uh, University of New Brunswick, there was a lot of injury on the depth chart, and we were kind of overcrowded on receiver. And my coach kind of came to me and said, hey, so you're going to move to running back? And I said, yep, yes, sir. So, you know, it's kind of how I was raised. And I moved into the backfield and uh, kind of went from there. But, you know, I, what I really learned about from uh, being in the running back perspective is it's about the matchups that you can get as an offensive coordinator. You know, uh, understanding what kind of scheme the defense is throwing at you. You understand where your talent is as the offensive coordinator. And you're trying to get a matchup that you – you're willing to put the ball up every single time. You know, uh, I'm willing to bet my 12 against everyone else's 12 uh, any other game of the week because that's what my duty is as a head coach. You know, I have to believe in my team every single time uh, we take the field, and that's what starts with all with, with, with my all my coaching staff, and it goes into our players as well. Uh, there's a mantra that I team uh, keep with the team. It's one team, one beat, one mission, and it's exactly how I think a football team is supposed to be run. You know, everyone's all together. Everyone's on the same goals. You know, there's no mottos. Uh, there's, sorry, there's no egos. There's anything like that. You know, it's everyone's here to do one thing, just play football because everyone's in love with it. Well, it, it's interesting because you, you are calling plays. You got game day duties and you're also, you know, you're the head coach. How are you able to balance those two and, and be able to be successful out there? Because, again, I know how tough it is for, you know, just a coordinator, but also to be the head coach. You see a lot of guys struggle with that, but you found a way to have success. It was, it was a difficult task, let me tell you that for sure. Uh, I am openly admitting that I definitely bit off more than I can chew because at times, you know, I feel like I needed a clone. You know, there was so many <laughs> things going on at the time and I was never stopping and I, was, I feel like I was missing part of the game. But what really got me through it is I have an amazing defensive coordinator. 
I uh, coach Grant Potter. He runs my defense and the way he runs it, it's like a structure. You know, I, I don't have to worry about it. Everyone knows their assignments. Everyone's always going at their own pace. And, you know, they're the relief that I have as a head coach that I don't have to turn over and look at the defense because I know that Coach Potter, you know, he's got the defense in lock. So uh, that eliminates one task for me to worry about as the head coach and I can focus on other areas. So having a coaching, having a coach like that on my staff is just tremendous. Now, you say 12 on 12, and, and for the folks that are here in the States that definitely don't know uh, yeah. what you're talking about, you're talking about the CFL game, the Canadian game. It's 12 on 12, uh, wider field, longer field. Um, when you look at the offenses that you're starting to see now in college football and start to sprinkle and, and trickle into the NFL, what part of the Canadian game, or how much of an influence have you seen in the game down here in the States that you – that has been up north for for decades. Oh, it's looking a lot more like CFL games up there now. It's it's looking nice. <laughs> uh, it's it's a lot of the misdirection. That's what it is. You know, in the CFL, uh, the biggest difference uh, between the Canadian game and the American game is the pre-snap motion. You know, in the Canadian game, uh, the wide receivers and slotbacks are allowed to be in motion so they can attack the line of scrimmage, and uh, not only just having the Z or X receiver that can waggle down. So uh, that having that as an advantage as a Canadian team, you know, you can use misdirection there to send your slot back in a jet sweep motion while having a counter by your running back. So that freezes that defense for a second. And then all of a sudden you can do a play action from that pass. And all of a sudden you have, you know, three to four plays from one jet motion uh, from one set. You know, so that kind of gives the advantage from the Canadian game. So I'm liking that. See, we, we like to see that a lot of these American teams are adapting this misdirection now. It's a little tougher that the Americans have, they have to be set for one second before the ball is snapped. Uh, however, I'm still seeing a lot of great stuff coming out. You know, Kansas City, like Andy Reid, you know, he's the man. I feel like he's a part Canadian out there. <laughs> he's got a lot of motion in there. He's got a lot of misdirection. So I uh, wouldn't be surprised if he has a, a TSN subscription and he's watching some CFL. Yeah, I, listen, that's one thing that always pops up because you're absolutely <laughs> right. You see a lot of things coming from Kansas City. And yeah. you, you mentioned the slot back position on offense, but on defense, that matchup position is, is the halfback, I believe, correct? Yes, correct. Uh, and, you know, yeah, they can play the nickelback, yeah. And you're starting to see that now more so on the defensive side. Say, for instance, a guy that's coming out this year in the NFL draft in uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, I think plays what could be considered that halfback position, a guy that's kind of – He's strong against the run, but you like him in coverage, but you don't really trust him back deep, but he's good in short area, and he could also play man. So it's, can you explain what that defensive halfback position is uh, so maybe some people down here can understand what, where I'm going with that with that uh, that label? Well, you're talking about the right guy. You know, I'm a huge Alabama fan, so you're talking about the best player in the draft if you're, if you're asking me. <laughs> uh, and you're exactly it's, – it's honestly, in my opinion, it's a tough position to play on defense. You know, you're right. You have to be covering that run. You're doing contain. And you have to be able to cover uh, – man, you have to be able to cover the receiver that's in that slot there. So that's why you have to be versatile. And, you know, that's why we see – there's actually one player that's in the Prairie Conference, and Emily Belanger, uh, she is a player that you have to locate every time on she's on the football field. She can play that spot as well, and she can move into that linebacking core. And, you know, that's such a tough role for a player to play because uh, as an offensive coordinator, you're always trying to move players into positions like we were talking about to get matchups. So you have to be willing to adjust onto a fly, uh, get the defense into or uh, get the defense organized and then hold down your coverage. Right. Because we always uh, rely on our pass rush. You know, we have to get to the quarterback. Everyone's always trying to get to that quarterback. So when that nickelback is in there, you're locking down that uh, hot receiver. So 
when typically when we're sending the pressure, the inside receiver is going to be running that quick out or that slant in. So that's going to be covered by that position right there. So if I'm going to have uh, if I'm going to have my best player on there, it's going to be rolling onto that slot back. I tell you what, man, I'll give you another name from from up north that kind of fits that mold to a T. He's actually probably one of the best CFL prospects in this upcoming draft in and uh, Godfrey Onyeka from Wilfred Laurelay. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's a really good player, man. And you talked about, you know, your players. And going back to the women's game, I coached softball when I was in uh, – when I just got out of college. I was coaching high school football and also was coaching softball. And what I found out is that coaching women is a lot better than coaching men because women actually listen. And they do exactly what you say, you know, especially within football. Let's say for, for football, do you find as though uh, women are more inclined to, let's say if you want that route to, to snap off at 15 and come back to 12, they do exactly that. And they don't round it off. They do they go to 15 and come right back to 12. Do you find that to be the case? That is absolutely 1,000% the case because they never forget something I say and they'll correct me on it even if I mistakenly tell them, uh, you know, a second time. They, they're they like machines. They're eating up all the information that our coaching staff gives out to them. And you're right, it's it's very different from coaching males. Uh, I have had experience when you coach, uh, you know, high school teams that people have played for, uh, you know, in the Bantam years or the Peewee years, you know, so they have some experience in there. Uh, you know, and then when you're coming into the women's football league, you know, sometimes you have a player that's never put on a helmet before and, you know, they've never even put on shoulder pads. So, you know, they have to get used to that stuff. And, you know, sometimes coaches, you know, forget that because we take that for granted because we've always been coaching males. And now as a women's coach, you know, I always kind of look at one step further to say, in case the player doesn't know, understand what this means, how how am I prepared to explain this? Uh, in another term, right? You know, so I'm always thinking from uh, the ground level up because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build the knowledge of the game, you know, and I, especially in football, there's so much going on, you know, there's there's so many people on the field, there's so many responsibilities too. You always have to be aware of what's going on, you know. Uh, understanding down and distance is just something that all coaches uh, say, but, you know, really understanding where we are in the game, how many timeouts we are, you know, how much time is left, uh, what's the score? Who's going to get the ball next possession? You know, it's going to, there's so much going on to there. So, you know, giving them all this knowledge and giving them the freedom to ask questions, you know, to, because there is no silly questions, you know, uh, giving them the freedom to ask questions and just experience the game of football, just like I did growing up. It's just amazing. When you look at your, your season is about to get underway in a few short weeks, correct? Yes. Yeah. Our first uh, preseason game is at the end of April, April 28th. Okay, so now when you look at the women's game, which is also uh, unique in a way because it's constantly, uh, I want to say the the process is different. You can't really say, okay, we recruit now and then we have a draft and then we have training camp and then we have preseason and then the regular season. You you sort of have to go out and constantly recruit. How is that process about accumulating players? How does that happen for you guys uh, um, in, in the WWCFL? It is an everyday kind of thing. You know, uh, my phone is always kind of blowing up because as the head coach, I always try to be involved in the recruiting and uh, we're trying to always hit lots of demographics within our city too. You know, we have about 1.3, 1.4 million people in our city and we want to make sure that every female in the city knows about this team. So it's about exposure. You know, we're always using our social media as a platform for us to advertise for our team, for our recruiting. 
uh, we always uh, we started uh, using uh, Vimo, and now we uh, we're starting to set up that we can stream our games online now. So that in case you are in a different place, uh, you know, like in the Maritimes, and you want to keep track of the women's football team that's going across the country, you're able to log on to that. And by having this exposure on different levels, and you know, uh, going to uh, uh, you know, sporting recreation places and going to fitness gyms. You know, these are places that we we find these athletic girls and, you know, they'd never heard about football before and they look at it as a challenge. And that's what we want. You know, we want some players that look at it as a challenge and that they, they want to push themselves to be better in an area that they've never heard before. So, you know, we, by spreading ourselves around all these demographics around the city, we start accumulating players. And, you know, once we get to training camp, all of a sudden we have about 50, 55 girls showing up at a training camp. And, you know, that's exciting to see as a football coach. You know, when we have uh, so many girls that are inside this training facility that are just waiting on command to start playing football, you know, this is what we build for, you know, and it's a, it's a constant thing, you know, because then all of a sudden, all the all, all of our new players, they're recruiting uh, by word of mouth, you know, because uh, there's only so much that I can do as a recruiting coach, uh, that so much that another player can, you know, do a better job talking to an, a new recruit, you know, and saying that it's so much beneficial because of this and this, you know, so it's a team effort, you know, that's why we're always talking about one team, one beat, one mission, you know, even in the recruiting game, it's not just me, it's all the players as well, it's all the coaches, it's our board members, it's everybody, you know, because uh, I always tell our team that you're representing our our city every time we take this field you know you are the professional team in this in this city you know you are role models for young girls everywhere to say that you know we can break these gender barriers and you know you can do it uh you just got to be ready to, you got to be ready to put in that effort that brings me to my next question about the the challenges and, and also some of the opportunities when you look at some of those challenges that you may face uh trying to get women out there and and playing ball um what do you see that's a small hurdle for you to have to overcome constantly when you're out there trying to recruit? Uh, you know, people, when, whenever I start recruiting a player and we bring about, uh, we talk, start talking about football, the first thing is contact, you know, it's they, because they think it's a malicious sport, you know, uh, because unfortunately when you look at the media, sometimes we're always looking about uh, dirty hits in the NFL and targeting and NCAA and things like that too. So it's the kind of platform that's set right there that kind of gives the, the bad aura if you will, for tackle football and maybe, you know, it's not safe and things like that. Uh, but we do take our, obviously all of our safety precautions too. We always have a first, uh, we always have a training facility that's nearby us too. We have first aid uh, all around us at all times too. Concussion protocols, but in safe contact by all our coaches at all times. So once we get, once I, f I feel like once we make our pitch to that player about the whole contact thing, that's the real um, you know, first hurdle, if it is, if it is that you will. And then uh, the biggest thing is when you look at a player and she says, well, you know, I've only played basketball, you know, what kind of skills can I translate to the game? Well, you know, there's a lot of skills that goes into basketball that translates into football. You know, there's man coverage, there's a lot of footwork, there's handwork and things like that. Uh, I even had one player that told me that she's only played softball her whole life. And I told her, I said, well, you know, actually, if you think about it, the outfield is how you play cover three. This is what cover three is in football. There's three of you covering the entire area. And if you were to pull the shortstop and he, he or she were to just drop back into the outfield and play the pop fly, that's what cover four meant. And she says, okay, so if the center fielder comes up and the left and right there, it's covered too. I said, you got it. And 
that's it. You know, it's, it's things like that. You know, sometimes people don't even realize it when you can make connections like that, that all sports, you know, really translate into football. That's why it's a, that's why it's the ultimate team sport because it's a combination of everything. You know, you have to have the ability to play coverage uh, in the secondary, like a baseball player, but you also have the mind, have to have the mindset of a volleyball player. You know, you huddle up every single time, whether the point, whether the play is over, you know, and get to it, you know, whether, whether it's a sack, whether it's a huge play, you know, you're on to the next one. You know, you have to have that mindset as that volleyball player. And basketball, you're having, you know, the footwork and the agility, you know, the coverage, the defense. You know, defensive players are amazing basketball players. Uh, that's why they're, they're amazing DB players. So, you know, it's, it's all the skills from different games, and it's all coming together and just giving them an opportunity to play football. Man, I've never heard someone break it down like that as far as using baseball as a, you know, a reference to how to explain coverages that it makes so much sense now when you think about it that way but but that's what you have to do because again like you said these girls have never played football before you know organized football so you really have to find you know a, a you know a, a reference point to where okay i can make it i can make them understand it if i use it in this way that's that's so genius and smart and when you look at your your game you know as far as uh women's tackle football i i Maybe I'm just being a little bit, um, you know, uh, naive, but I, I kind of want to see this and I can envision this thing reaching all the way down to the high school level where you're starting to see women contact football at high schools and then it'll grow into the college game and then it'll grow into an even bigger pro game. Where are the opportunities you feel as though there are right now out there that's totally being un that's not being tapped right now for women's tackle football? Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's giving us a response. It's giving us exposure as women tackle football players, you know, because we're, we're challenging our players to now go into the community as role models. And, you know, we're looking to host a flag football event, uh, you know, coached by our players, you know, so now we can have female players coaching, uh, you know, young females learning about the game too. Uh, so getting to that younger age, you know, so that when they work towards uh, varsity sports and, you know, in high school, that they're also thinking about football, you know, that they, they have something to look forward to that, you know, there's not, it's not just an end game that for a couple of years and that's it. You know, we, we look for players to grow with us, to grow as players because, you know, football doesn't just also teach you athletic ability. It shows you a lot about character as well too. You know, how you handle adversity, how you, how you work with teamwork, you know, and uh, being coachable. That's the biggest thing too. And that includes myself as well. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not prepared to ask my team to do anything that I'm not ready to do myself. So I have to be coachable as well. So that's why I hold myself to standards with my assistant coaches. You know, if I, if I need an uh, assistance on, something i'm more than happy to ask them for it you know like i said i have coach grant potter on my side too and just being responsible and just loving the game of football it's i love it yeah that, and that brings me to my you know when you look about when you talk about the love for the game what, what is it about the game that you love the most the strategy the fact that it's like poker you know you your luck can change just like that on a play you know you can be in a tie game you know in a defensive shootout and one missed block and all of a sudden you're down seven nothing, you know, and the fact that, you know, one missed penalty or something like that can just change the game. The fact that you have to keep your emotions on on par uh, during such a physical and mental game, uh, the fact that it, it involves everyone on the team, you know, I, in the special teams, offense and defense, and everyone has their specific roles. And, you know, even on the sideline too, being encouraging for your other teammates and supporting them. Uh, you know, helping each other out when there's adversity, you know, that's, that's what being a football team is. And, you know, just to combine all those things together, it's, 
it's why it always brings a smile to my face. It's it's been a part of my life uh, for 20 years now. You know, I remember when I was seven years old and I first went to football practice, and I, I couldn't wait for it because I was watching my two older brothers practice for the first three years. So it was something that I was looking forward to because I knew so much about it and I could just be myself out there. And and I think that's what I love most about this women's football team is that these girls are just themselves. You know, they don't they don't have to be something else. They don't have to try to act a certain way. They're just themselves and they're just they're out there for one reason. They're playing the game of football and it's it's fantastic. Man, you got me amped up ready to go out there and play again, man. Like, <laughs> you know, where can people, you know, follow you guys this season and and keep up with you guys on social media. Where can they find out more information about the Calgary Rage? So always check us out on the two big media pages. We got Facebook, that's Calgary Rage Women's Tackle Football. And then we also have a page on Instagram at, at Calgary Rage, uh, C-A-L-G-A-R-A-Y-R-A-G-E. Um, and then if any other players also want to talk to me, they can hit me up on my Instagram as well too, uh, at C-I-A-N-N-U-Z-Z-I. And, you know, even if it's just talking football with women's players, you know, I, w- I had the privilege of actually going to the Nash- uh, the World's Tournament in the summer, and I met some players that were from Australia, and I still message them on a day-to-day basis uh, because they're just happy to talk about their season, and they met another person in a different country that loved the game of football. So uh, it's always open to talk about football with me. Yeah, and women's tackle football is definitely on the come up. It's I remember seeing being first exposed to it back in 1998. Um, I saw it was a, a PBS special, and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And fast forward, you know, a couple of decades later, and I'm like, wow, like this thing has really taken off from when I first got exposed to it to where it is now. You got the World Games. Um, you got the USA football games. You have uh, different leagues down here in the States and also up there up north. So, Carlo, I, listen, man, I, I could talk ball with you all day. We may have to do this again and, and chop it up on some uh, some who has the pin last type thing with, with – uh, you know, drawing up some plays and, and talking strategy. But listen, I appreciate you taking time man, and we wish you the best of luck moving forward. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And absolutely, uh, invitation's always open. We'll talk ball anytime. <laughs>